Hey everybody, it is Hit Rewind, the mixtape, where we are now at year 1986, and we're going to be changing things up a little bit, aren't we, John? A little bit, yeah. We're going to do the whole shebang at once. Well, last year is the first year that we had a two-parter, because uh, there's too much to choose from. And 1986, you know what, we're just going to do a top ten instead of two top fives. That way it's easy just to post and get that going. Yeah, it, it's much simpler that way if we just all just do it all at once. Yeah, and uh, so we might as well start. Uh, what is number one for you? Number one for me is the Pet Shop Boys, Please. Oh, you know what I just realized? Hey. You know what we can do? What? I just realized What's that it? we don't have to do it this way, how we had it separated where we did the first six months and the second six months. Now we just do the top ten for the whole year. Yeah, which which will save me a little bit of time because... A lot of it's like all my favorite things seem to be at the back half of years now. Well, yeah, because that's when all the big albums sell for Christmas. There's some good summer stuff in there too, but I found myself kind of struggling to, you know, well, this year didn't have that many good, or, you know, in the first half and the second half or whatever, and I just like, oh, it'd be so much better if we just combined it all into one. So, here we go. But yeah, so Pet Shop Boys and their debut, Please, was my first one. And. Damn, is this such a really good, really good album, isn't it? I really enjoyed it. Yes, uh, I didn't. I didn't realize how dancey it was. I've never listened to Pet Shop Boys. I only know West End Girls, basically, and uh, I had a lot of fun listening to this. Yeah, which is kind of funny. Is I do think like uh, Divided by Zero is a little bit like it's kind of a weak ass track for an opener, but then it's like yeah, you get West End Girls and Opportunities, and it's like. Just those two songs, you know, coming after that, it, it for, totally forgives that first track. And, just, yeah, it's such a such a great song, like Suburbia. Because you have this uh, song that's basically about uh, the Brixton Riot, or it's kind of based around the Brixton Riots of 81 and 85. Oh, what is uh, this? I don't know about, about these. Oh, yeah, it's basically about how these... Uh, the socioeconomic problems and systemic racism set off these uh, riots. Huh. Uh, in which, yeah, it's like just... I was reading a little bit about it, but that was, I'll be honest, a little while ago before when we were going to do this as a split. <laughs> so my memory is a little hazy of exactly what happened, but the song itself is kind of like those, those sorts of things, but also mixed with, like, the boredom of suburbia. Uh-huh. Uh, what these things could do to like the uh, uh, disaffected youth of of Britain, just kind of like I'm bored. There's you know so, you know we're being these safe suburbs, but you know what? Let you know it's like let's go destroy something. Kind of like in the anarch like kind of punk anarchist sort right. of thing. Well, there's like, a movie enough- called oh god what is it called? It's uh, it has Matt Dillon. It's his debut where it's a bunch of suburban kids with nothing to do. They're so bored out of their mind. And yeah, it's uh, Suburbia, which yeah. is uh, the Penelope Spears film, right? No, no, it's some, it's from '79. Um, shit. Oh, oh. I'll, I'll remember it, but it's like one of these things where one little incident because they were fucking around uh, caused them to go into chaos, and this whole Suburbia is just like in lockdown from riots. Uh, but yeah, these kids that have nothing to do—they're bored. They just get into trouble to keep things going. Yeah, and that—that's you know, it's like it. It's a continuing through line of 80s music where there's a lot of dancey, upbeat stuff, 
but it's usually about something really dark and uh, surprisingly dark in some cases. Yeah. So what's yours, uh, your first one? My very first one is Control by Janet Jackson. And this is not her first album, but most people think it is because <laughs> this is the one that just completely broke huge. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she teamed up with legendary music writers and producers uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, also the name of my testicles. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I named my balls <laughs> Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. <laughs> it's just so fun to say. I genuinely had forgotten how awesome this album is. And that was the thing. It was like, I was starting to listen to it, and it was like, shit, just opening with Control, you know, I got this whole Prince vibe. And I'm like, did Prince produce this? And so I'm sitting there looking at stuff, and yeah, as you said, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who were former members of the time. So, yeah, yeah, it's, you definitely had, like, my brain immediately heard where that influence came from and well, it's, yeah and for some reason i thought that control was the only hit off this i thought the rest of them came off of her 89 album and i was wrong and i just can't believe that you got you have just a hammering away at you control nasty what have you done for me lately which i think is my favorite track of hers uh the pres oh, yeah. the pleasure principle and when i think of you those are all top 10 i think hits that's amazing for someone who's just starting out yeah what's funny is like this is an album that is basically all killer, no filler. And even then, it's like, what, You Can Be Mine is maybe, if you're, you know, if you really had to pick a weak song off the album. Yeah, but a weak it. song off this album is a good song off any other album. Exactly, exactly. I'm, you know, yeah, there's, if you've never heard this album, this is, this is, this, and I guess, yeah, Rhythm Nation are basically like the peak you know, peak Janet Jackson stuff. Yeah, because I mean, she still did well during the 90s. She would have two or three hits, but we're talking like most of the album got released as singles. Yeah, I mean, she's responsible, I think, for New Jack Swing. I know some people hate it, but I fucking adore New Jack Swing. But she, you know, in 89, oh, yeah, she I... would... But her whole sound would uh, guide uh, R&B for years, more than even Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's definitely true. Definitely true. Jackson definitely sell, you know, sold more records, but this, I, in a lot of ways, I think this is a little bit more. No, I don't. I don't want to say influential, but I, maybe special. I think. Yeah. Might be. Might be the best way to phrase it. It's just it. a new sound that changed everything for the last half of the eighties. Yeah. Uh, two thumbs up. Two digits up. I mean. <laughs> We, we can't get sued. Let's think of something else. Uh, two needle yeah. drops. <laughs> there you go. All right, what is yours? Now, my next one is uh, Public Image Limited's album. <laughs> Which I forgot. Now, you wrote Pill, and I was like, who the fuck is Pill? And <laughs> you remembered. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, you know, Pill is uh, the Johnny, uh, Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols uh, band that he... Basically, Sex Pistols broke up after, you know, like the one album and uh, a tour, and that's effectively it. You, as influential and as much as we know the Sex Pistols, they weren't around for very long. No. You know what? I don't like the Sex Pistols. They all seem like a gimmick. A band that really can't play. Fuck that. I'll take the well, Ramones. I'll take the Ramones. Well, that was the, that was the thing. It was... 
it was a band that knew how to play that chose to you know, like like that old little thing that you'll hear like uh, music and art teachers and writers you know all these teachers will say is you got to know the rules before you can break them that's kind of the thing was the the idea was they weren't the germs they weren't some of these after Sex Pistols after Ramones you know bands you know that basically went oh they can't play well I can't play either yeah Here, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna play a guitar with a broken bottle you know uh, <laughs> that kind of that kind of shit. I, I think that was a germs thing. I might be wrong, but I begin myself confused with someone else. But to be said, it's instead of just being like ant, it was punk was basically anti the anti music. That was its the idea, at least from the Sex Pistols. Right. See, the Ramones, it was about the excess of uh, prog rock that they were sick of. The songs would go on for eight minutes and just wander around, and they wanted short and quick and fast. Like it's quick and fast, but the that, same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that was the idea. Was John Lydon basically kind of saw this? You know what? What the uh, record labels because they did sell well enough considering all the controversy around them. That it was it was kind of like well they want us to basically be the one trick pony and be a dancing you know be our dancing monkey, and he kind of went no. I know how to play, and you want me to sit there and do like a three, you know, terrible three chord stuff. Yeah. Hence, hence, pill kind of happened, and you know, pill does really show that there's a lot of talent that uh, you know Leiden had. Well, also and, the fact that you add Steve Vai to the mix that changes things. Well, yes, that it does help that the that this album does have Steve Vai, and you know, you got. Uh, Cream uh, co-founder drummer Ginger Baker, <laughs> it's like Ryuji Sakimoto. Uh, Sakimoto's on this. It's it is uh, it's a hell of an album. Now, what's funny about this is it's also depends on what format you got this on. It was called album or cassette. <laughs> and it is instead of like and it's lighting is always kind of considered this a solo album. Even though he's released it under the pill name, be, but it's basically him working with again. A, instead of a band, it's different musicians. It's basically session artists, yeah. Yeah, and oh man, like especially like I said, the guitar work on this is great. It is Steve Vai. We will have a Steve Vai album in the nineties. Like the surfing with the that. alien? Am I guessing? Uh, no, that's Cetriani. Oh shit! Never mind. Sorry. Not a bad, not a bad pull, but no. <laughs> I don't know I, my we'll, guitar. We'll, um, my mother just we'll asked me. She goes, one. "Who is your Nigui? What's the band your Nigui Malmsteen?" <laughs> and I was oh, like, "Oh, Yingui Malmsteen, yeah." yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you don't remember getting me that album in '93 and me not liking it because it had no lyrics whatsoever?" She's like, "Nope, I had no clue." <laughs> <laughs> but this is, but this is the album that had a uh, rise, which is the which only song that I knew. Is, yeah, and it's a, uh, it's a song about. Basically Nelson Mandela and South Africa getting apartheid, and you know it's their best, their best you know best well-known song, highest charting song, and yeah, it's like really it doesn't go in my mind. It really doesn't go any further than this album. They've they continued on for a good good while, but this is about if you're ever going to listen to Public Image Limited, 
This, this is the album. This is the one we'll listen to. Yeah, I always whenever I think of this band, yeah. I always think of Big Audio Dynamite as well, which came from you know a very well known punk band breaking up. But uh, Big Audio Dynamite, I think, is much more well favored because they had a pop sound. Yeah, I don't think I've I'm trying to think if I've heard that one or not. But Big Audio yeah. Dynamite, you know it. They have two or three really big songs. I, I probably have. It's just okay. The name is like the name is like familiar enough that I'm like. I think I know that, but it would have to, I would have to hear a song, you know? Rush for the change in atmosphere. You know that one? That is them, right? Not Clash? Shit, I can't... There's a, the end of the Clash mixes very well into Big Audio Dynamite. <laughs> should I stay or should I go now? I think it's a Clash song, if I keep getting confused. I'm going to shut up now. Yeah. Okay, well, what, what's your next one, and we'll, we'll get... We'll stick a pin in that one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're supposed to go whenever we go off on tangents. Uh, uh, oh, she had a whistle. Ooh, offsides. <laughs> yeah, I don't. No. Oh, wait, here we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me look shiny, shiny. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That, no, that's a distraction. That's gonna make it worse. <laughs> uh, my second one is Queen, a kind of magic. The only album on this I probably listened to more than a hundred times. It is one of my. Fa- I think it is my favorite Queen album. I know it's not the one that's really big, but it is the one that, uh, for me, I think saved their career. For you know, it's it wasn't as big then as it is now because of all the tracks that came from movies, and that's a big reason why I like this album because I, I love the movies that these songs appeared in. Well, I I will say this: I think it's a weak album. Blasphemy! <gasps> but, but 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 hear me out. Even nothing on this album feels phoned in. I mean, heck, I guess apparently, like, Give Me the Prize, which I guess everybody hated, doesn't, you know, doesn't really seem like anyone's just, you know, going through the motions. Everyone's trying, you know. Okay, maybe Don't Lose, uh, oh God, was it Don't Lose Your Head? Maybe that's a little forced, but, you know. Overall, I think it's fine, but they also, like, Give Me the Prize, uh, these samples they use in it are really clumsily done. But that's also, I come from I come from a time when I listen to a lot of music that drops samples on everything, and nine times out of ten, they're, you know, well, it's well placed. I'm making the Sam the Eagle face from the Muppets. That's the face I'm making right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, but it starts off... We oh, all, well, go ahead. We all have to admit, Princes of the Universe is a terrible song. We love it, but because it's a terrible. Yeah, it is. So all these songs are all these songs are cheesy, but I think there's just so much fun to be had. I listen to this all the time in high school. Uh, being a huge fan of Iron Eagle, fuck Top Gun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate Top Gun so much. Um, and being a huge fan of Highlander, not so much the sequels because I don't know what the fuck happened. But um, it just that a lot of it's that nostalgia. It's all connected to films. It's the way I like the Flash Gordon soundtrack. I know the movie's not that great. I know that the soundtrack's not that great. But together, they're wonderful. I don't know how that works. I think it's like Xanadu. I don't know what the movie Xanadu's trying to say. <laughs> the music's fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, most of these are from movies. So One Vision is from Iron Eagle. Uh, I still don't understand why he asked for fried chicken at the end. That seems so strange. Uh, needed us. Needed. Just a closing line? Yeah, maybe something silly. Uh, a Kind of Magic, One Year of Love, um, Who Wants to Live Forever, Give Me the Prize, and Prince of the Universe, and Don't Lose Your Head are all from Highlander. The only ones that are not in movies that, as far as I know, is Pain is So Close to Pleasure, Friends Will Be Friends. 
and I, I think those are all really solid tracks. Friends vs. Friends is actually awfully, uh, it's awfully adorable. It's a very sweet song. Yeah, it, like I said, I, I don't hate the album, and like I said, I just think it's, you kind of go, especially based on a few of the other albums we've listened to, you kind of go, great album, great album this one next <laughs> yes well i mean we talked about the last one i think it was kind of their comeback because there's a couple years where it was a little soft it, they weren't hitting as well if i remember correctly this is when he was kind of doing drugs and got distracted and stuff but this is the last three albums i think are all very strong let's see yeah i as i said i it's cheesy more more than i think it needs to be i guess would be the uh Best way to phrase that. Moving on! <laughs> Next yes. album, before we dig ourselves in deeper, buddy. <laughs> my next one is Husker Do's Candy Apple Gray. Shit, which was on my list, damn you. Yeah, I I, I laid claim to this first, so... You th- bastard! Thankfully, <laughs> yeah, because we had to split these up by, by the uh, time period, so I didn't actually have anything else... For the early early part of the year, nah, I it's okay. Like, I had a lot of stuff to dig through, so we're good. Yeah, but yeah, Husker Du is this hardcore indie punk band, and I will say this: you really should hear their stuff. If, if you've never heard that, uh, you need to hear not just Candy Apple Grape, but check out '84 uh, Zen Arcade. Yeah, it's. Uh, I didn't know who they were. Um, all I remember was the joke in Joe Dirt: Husker Du, Husker Don't. And uh, I thought they were some weirdo German, you know, like, it just sounded like a Kraftwerk kind of band. So I just never really bothered to listen to them. And then I popped in and I go, this is Husker Du? It almost yeah, like... that was my... Go ahead. That, that was my actual original thought, too, was I figured that, yeah, it's going to be some Krautrock or something. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, there was that Left Behind, uh, Left of the Dial uh, compilation, yeah. I believe, was where I first heard them and went... Oh, I must check them out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've, I held on too long, but now I've been listening to them quite a bit. I even, I think I even posted. I was like, "How dare you keep Husker Du away from me, everybody?" <laughs> and and that's the thing. It's like this is also a great example because this was their uh, major label debut. This is a great example of how just because you're on a major label doesn't mean that you're going to quote unquote sell out. Right. And turn into a pop band or something. Oh, God, I don't understand it. The shit they gave Alkaline Trio when they signed to a major label is the dumbest shit I've ever heard of. But go ahead. Yeah, it's like these guys, they were selling they were selling pretty well on SST, but they couldn't they hit a their their ceiling. They were not gonna get any more from this. Warner Brothers steps in, says, Hey, wanna wanna sign with us? We'll get you you know, you can definitely sell more records. Yeah, we'll give you a national department. tour. We'll give you a bigger budget. We'll give you a better recording studio, a better producer. Why would you not go with this? It's like saying, oh, I only want to make small independent movies. When It's like, well, hey, look, this is a really good movie, but it's going to cost $80 million. Fucking do it if you want to do it. Yeah, and this is the thing. It's not like they weren't on a trajectory to sounding more alternative anyway. They had started as a hardcore you know, punk band, and then they gradually, through the other through the releases got more and more, you know, for lack of a better word, pop, you know, they became more of an alternative band. And it was just, you can hear the progression. It's not like they signed to Warner Brothers and immediately put out, you know, pop you know, pop music. You know, this, right. this 
Well, it's like Jedi it's Apple not like the replacements. There's a, there's a turning point with the replacements where uh, you can see that they're getting new producers. They got bigger budget and a major label, and they did turn to more pop sound, and that turned off a lot of the original fans. But it's not like this with Who's Could Do. Yeah, there. It's it is exactly what you know. The sound exactly makes sense for what they were doing, and thankfully we got a chance to actually hear hear this album because who knows if they had stuck with SST, it we might not have gotten this particular this particular album. Right, a lot and of bands my, sign to smaller labels and because they think they'll have more independence and not realizing they're always on a shoestring budget. Devo when they left Warner Brothers, I think it was. Uh, a mutual decision because they were, I mean, Warner Brothers was mad at Devo, but when they signed to um, shit, I can't remember, Disc, I think it was, um, they didn't know that they were on the verge of going out of business and they could barely release their albums. So why not go with someone who's going to promote what you just made instead of bury it? Yeah, it, I don't know. It's the decisions some people make are, you know, you just it sounded good at the time. Yeah, you know. Well intended. Um, all right, is it my turn? It is your turn. Heyday by the Church was my replacement for Husker Du. Uh, I listened to this so long ago, I can't remember which tracks I like, so I apologize. If you remember anything, John, <laughs> let me know. I, I do because okay, the Church is a band that I really, I really seem to like. Yet I've noticed I've only actually listened to one album. Yeah, the one that was uh, yeah. and that was Starfish. Which I absolutely love, and I think it's an amazing album. And I'm glad you dropped this one on me because it finally got me off my ass to listen to it. Yeah, it's you know, it's you very got... it's very uh, background enjoyable, sleek to it. It, it. It's not like it's boring though, but it's just very deep, rich sound. Yeah, it's like Myrrh is amazing. I love uh, Trias. Uh, happy hunt. Uh, happy hunting ground was like a word instrumental that I. I found really interesting, but I also I, it, oh god, I don't remember if it's this one that I was thinking about, or else it's no, no, it's it's off on Genesis. I, I'm spoiling it, but yeah, there was a instrumental that in one of these on one of them I thought should have been done by someone else, but uh, like tantalized. I love the horns on that one. It's just yeah, I'm. Thank you for uh, making me listen to... Well, making me. I forced you to. to uh, having no, me listen to so, Church. So, uh, this is a first major label distribution. Now, they've always been with... Or they were with EMI. They're still with EMI. They're the ones who put up the money and produced it. But now, Warner Brothers is giving full American distribution. So, that's a way that people can be considered selling out, too. But that's not. It's still the exact same way they did before. It's just now they have international distribution. Yeah, and... And that's the thing is this, it, it feels big like a fairly big album. It's not, you know, you, you can hear money behind what they're doing as opposed to, uh, you know, some of these other, like, what, uh, trying to think of, like some like, like maybe the Chris Isaac album that we had that that we listened to, like there's less money in that one. I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. Yeah. If what his budget was, but. <laughs> It's the the church does sound like they had they did give them a budget, right? And uh, um, well, I lost what I was gonna say. So hey, moving on. <laughs> Shit, I hate it. I had something right. in my hand. I fucking got distracted. Oh, keys again. Keys. Jingle, 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 jingle. 
All right, my next one is Susie and the Banshees, Tinderbox. How have I not listened to this before? I only know the song from Batman Returns. I shit you not, I only know the songs from that movie. And I was like, it's kind of fluffy. I don't know if I want to listen to it. This fucking album is awesome. I didn't know that I knew. Well, that's the thing is... Go ahead. This is is really the first album where they really started to shine. It's like... I mean, they had been around since, like, the late 70s. It's, uh, you know, The Scream, the first album is really good. I love Juju. But really, Tinderbox is kind of where their first steps into actually being a great band. Right, their signature sound is solidified. Yeah, and then uh, the next album that comes after this peep show was really what got them a foothold in the U.S. And it's like, and it's a great album, don't get me wrong, but this one is so much better. I mean, you have Candyman, which is, I mean, Cities and Dust is absolutely my favorite song. Oh, God, it's so good, which I didn't know until I saw the title of the song, what it was called. Because it doesn't sound like she's saying cities and dust. Because she kind of sings the dust in a funny way. And I was like, she's saying cities are gone alone? I can't tell what she's saying, but now I know. I feel silly for not knowing. Like cannons, 92 degrees. I mean, this is this album is just packed full of great stuff. Yeah, and she, she can belt it, man. I, I, I remember everybody kind of got uh, pulled back. Because you had Prince on the first Batman soundtrack and he had all these big huge hits whereas Batman Returns was a darker movie in tone and style and so he went with an artist that wasn't about partying like the way Prince was he went with someone that's more deep and soulful because frankly it fit perfectly because uh, Batman or uh, the Penguin and Catwoman are kind of fucked up villains in one way or another yeah definitely <clears throat> but yeah it like I said, if this is another one where if you're ever only going to listen to one album by a band, this is definitely the album to do it. Yeah. My turn? Your turn. All right. Crowded House is uh, my next album. This is probably the most accessible to people who don't listen to the usual kind of music that we get into. Um, it's more like mom-friendly, dad-friendly. Uh, but I still think it's really smart and really well made. And uh, Don't Dream It's Over is the the big one that everybody knows. But I think Something So Strong is probably their best. And it's a really good video, by the way. What What's funny about this is uh, the only song I know by well I knew by Crowded House was Don't Dream It's Over. So I had it, this preconception going into into this album as to what their sound was, and I was surprised because it really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, it's like, Me to Me, you know, it's like, uh, now we're, I loved uh, that one, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, like a, uh, uh, was it Love You Till the Day I Die is kind of like in this little Oingo Boingo vein. Yeah. It's like, it's. I kind of assumed that this was going to be some weird, like, just kind of generic crap. And I'll be honest, it. i not in love with this album, but... I think it's, like I said, it's definitely something that I'm glad I got a chance to listen to because I really had the band pegged as a in a totally different sound. Right. It, it's and it's. I, uh, I didn't know this until this moment right now. They're born out of the prog rock band Split Ends. Okay. When, if you know them at all, they they broke up and whatever, and half the band went over to Crowded House, and that's why I think it has a deeper sound than a lot of what because it seems like kind of mopey. Uh, I'm trying to think of the band that I compare them to. Um, 
You know, there's always that mainstream kind of pop alternative, like uh, talking, not talking heads, damn it, uh, Simple Minds and stuff like that. You know, it's yeah. uh, you know, it plays in the background at a fucking barber shop or something, <laughs> or a bookstore. Yeah, that's that. Like I said, that's kind of what I was expecting to hear. It was just kind of like this light, this lighty, simple. Like right, said, like tears for fears kind of, generic, kind of thing. But no, I think it's a little bit better yeah. than that. Uh, that's why I kind of want to give a recommendation because when I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is better than I expected. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's like definitely nothing. I don't think there was actually anything that you uh, that you presented me in either of these that I, well, actually, yeah, there's one that I may, didn't like that much. But overall, everything is something I went, hey, you know what? Nothing, I enjoy this enough. Yeah. At the well, worst, we always have know? one. We always have one. We're like, I really like this. And you're like, eh, and then you have one like I couldn't finish this. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Oh, I believe I, I know. I'm sure I've got a couple. Your stuff, your stuff's a little harder to access. Uh, uh, that's not what I want to say. Uh, admittedly, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, your turn. All right. So for my next one, we are looking at. We pulled that note. It is Candlemas, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus. <laughs> I don't even remember this one. <laughs> I remember yeah, that name, it's... but I don't remember the album. Was this metal well, or was it industrial? This was metal. This okay. was metal. Uh, it's they're they're the pioneering bands of the doom metal genre. Oh, okay, is, yes, this is the one I couldn't finish. Yeah, <laughs> slow, sludgy. It's basically you think of like early uh, Black Sabbath. Yeah, but then or, or mid era uh, Dio. But like take that and then just kind of slow it down and make it heavier. Now. It did apparently sell out, you know, sell that well initially because, you know, everybody was out thrashing each other at this point. So, you know, it, it eventually did find its home. But it's, you know, it, it doom metal is a very underrepresented genre in metal just in general. Like, there are bands out there. There are bands who've actually done pretty well, like Typo Negative. And, heck, there's one called uh, Oceans of Slumber that's doing doing really really great work right now but you know you, this is the granddaddy of the genre and solitude the opening track is a song that you know, it's it is one of the it's a sad emotional uh song about you know basically being depressed and uh, wanting to die yeah. and it just sends these shivers up your spine because it's just you can feel just how raw this guy is feeling I mean, you've got, like, Demon's Gates, this nine-minute monster. You know, if you speed up one of the songs called Crystal Ball, you literally do have a Dio track right there. You know, it's it's a, like I said, very soul... It's one of those things that does kind of reach into your soul a little bit more than I think some people maybe are willing to let it. (laughs) Because it's just... I felt like drinking. That's what I felt like when I was like, I gotta it, stop this. It's a very, yeah, it's a very low album. Low end and everything. And sometimes, there are sometimes when you need that, I think. My turn? So what do you got? Okay. <laughs> uh, this is probably the most well-known, even more than Control. And it is Dead Rock. I know this, but it's pretty good Dead Rock. Because Genesis is Invisible Touch. Um, I think it's their best album. It's it's not as deep as some of the stuff they did with Peter um, Gabriel, but it just it has just something I think less generic than what they would do later, like '91. 
But uh, Land of Confusion, I think, is one of the greatest videos and songs of the 80s. And uh, the rest of it's just fun. I like Invisible Touch and Tonight, 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 Into Deep. Uh, uh, throwing It All Away, they were all huge hits. This album did not go away for a long time. What's funny about it is Land of Confusion, the first time I've actually heard that song was uh, as a cover by a metal band called In Flames. And then I finally eventually heard it, and yeah, I love that song. That, who that who did it and made it huge, though, about 15 years ago? They oh. did an animated video. Oh, you're, uh, ah, shoot, uh, Disturbed. Are they the ones who go, ooh, wah! <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Down with the sickness. They also did uh, uh, that Simon and Garfunkel one, uh, Sounds of Silence. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just, it's one of these albums that uh, I shouldn't even mention it because it sold so well, but I just really like this album. Well, now this is the one I was talking about a little bit earlier where I said uh, Brazilian, uh, which is this little instrumental they have at the end of the track. And it's an interesting, interesting song, but like uh, someone like Juno Reactor or Future Sound of London, these techno bands that use a lot more like naturalistic uh, sounds and you know organic sounds in their in their music, I think would do a great job with, with doing a version of this song. Yeah, because because it's you know it's got got the kind of tempos that they deal with and. Again, the sort of instrumentation that they use. It's just they're electronic groups, and, you know, these guys, you know, it's, and this is Genesis. <laughs> All right, your turn. Like, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I had one other thing to say about this. Uh, I was looking it up because there was something about this album I couldn't put my finger on necessarily. And it's like, you know, in the tone and how it, how it was. And it's like right before this, Phil Collins did Face Value and with Susudio. And I went... That explains everything about this album now. Yeah, it does. Like how... It does feel more like a Phil Collins album than it does Genesis. It, the influence of his yeah. "What No Jacket Required" really flowed over into this one. Yeah, it's like the the poppiness, the the danciness of it. Yeah, it's very much like felt. Didn't I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, it didn't feel like Genesis. Like I listened to tons of Genesis, but yeah. it did kind of feel a little bit. Different. Right. Really Abacab, I think, I think it was a previous album. That one's more uh, in-depth. And I, I can't believe it never made my list for 1981. But, um, yeah, I just I, I just like this. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> okay. Well, now my next one is Chumbawamba, Pictures of Starving Children Sell Records. Fucking shocked. This made the list. This band was around that long. And it's this fucking yeah. good. It's good. Well, that's the thing is, and I I wrote this as as my notes. So, hey, look, it's that party band that did that awesome drinking song I love. You know, I Get Knocked Down. You know, the song Tub Thumping. Yeah. Wait a minute. This doesn't sound like party music. This sounds like (laughs) political commentary. Right. Intended to make me think about stuff other than partying. This is like, this is uh, like Rage Against the Machine before (laughs) Rage Against the Machine. I mean, different sound, but the content is the same. Yeah, that's how they. That's how they, they were sold to the U.S. with tub thumping. We, we didn't know who the hell they were, and yeah, it's like they should have been sold as Britain's Rage Against the Machine, one hundred percent. They're this anarcho-punk band. That uh, it's like, well, hell, this album is a criticism of Live Aid, and like that first track where they're basically calling, you know, calling out people like Freddie Mercury, you know, for. Uh, 
for basically like, yeah, be part of Live Aid, this thing with a commercial design to kind of distract the actual political causes right. of global Oh, hunger, it's a whole hour not... of your life that you gave to this, you know? Yeah. It is... Damn, this is a hell of an album just in general. And what's funny is it's still pretty relevant, can, all things considered. And yeah. this is 86. Yeah, I was shocked at how good it was. Yeah, I, this is a band that really... You should listen to Chumbawamba if you agree with their politics. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a really rich sound because it helps that they have two different lead singers. I always like that because it mixes up the song. Uh, the songs, I mean. Yeah. My, it's like, I can't... I've heard most of their albums at this point. I can't necessarily recommend their uh, the uh, songs that they did all the traditional ones of those eh, not not for me but shit yeah Chumba Wumba, you should check out yeah. anything of their virtually anything from their discography but now what do you got I have Chris Isaac's second album the uh how do you say it eponymous eponymous the girl from eponymous yeah <laughs> <laughs> I did all that for that fucking joke <laughs> sorry um <laughs> so this one uh, apparently the first album didn't sell very well what do you expect a guy out of nowhere you know just oh 147,000 records ooh he didn't sell very much that seems like a lot now um, but I guess they cut back the budget and this was like his last chance with Warner Brothers before they were going to cut ties and so he changed the sound it said he changed it to R&B but I listened to it and I don't really I still hear everything I heard on the first album a little less rockabilly maybe but um well this is this is much more blues rock I like, guess. the first one was a lot, lot more rockabilly with like it, like I really was digging on that one because of the gothy type stuff yeah yeah the roots so, rock feel too so, yeah yeah so that, that's it's a much that was a much darker album this one I didn't like as much as Silvertone I like this well enough yeah you know, I think I definitely think it's one of these albums that this would have been my jam uh, if I had got this in the early to mid 90s around the time i was like hardcore listening to bush or foo fighters you know things like that 100 percent, this would this would have been my jam yeah and, and it has two big hits off of it heartful well two big hits for people who are chris isaac fans blue hotel and heartful of soul are still part of his repertoire um it sold double of the previous album and yeah you're right it's not as good as silvertone but he had to do what he had to do to keep warner brothers happy so he changed the sound and this he would have an evolution. He constantly bounces between this sound and the Silvertone sound. I think he's more Silvertone now, but after Heart Shaped World three years later, um, you know, that became like his signature sound was the deeper bluesy stuff. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is you can one hundred percent tell it with with this is that that's kind of where <clears throat> at least along with the rockabilly stuff, that's definitely where he uh is very comfortable playing and it's definitely his I would not necessarily would would want to hear him venture too far in any direction little little bits here and there like I said the gothiness uh, you know every little now and then maybe but effectively I think he's a very good R&B guitarist yeah he would not go back to the rockabilly sound I think till speak of the devil I think in the late 90s uh, when you know the whole swing and rockabilly started to pick up again um you know, he was uh, clearly a decent actor, but something about him must have uh, got um, David Lynch's attention and Jonathan. Shit. 
couple. Uh, I directed Something Wild and Married to the Mob. I can't think of his name. Oh, uh, Signs of Lambs. Brain... Yeah. Oh, Jonathan Demme. Thank you, Jonathan, Jonathan Demme, because he was a big part of their movies in one way or another. And uh, he had a really good TV show. I can't wait to discuss some of the stuff, uh, like, well, 10 years from now, basically. Because <laughs> it's going to get, it gets kind of boring after his big hit. I don't think he gets cool until the late 90s again. So, uh, you're next. My next one is The Bad Brains, I Against I. Yeah, that was a good one. I really liked this. I never listened to Bad Brains before. Yeah, it's, they're not a band I'm a particularly big fan of. Let, you know, let's, let me put that in front of you but i against i is 100 percent their best album and i did i was thinking at one point to do like their first album the yellow tape is great you know i, I do think it's a great album but again it's like like ah uh, i against i is probably if you're like i've said this a couple times already if you listen to something do this one uh they're you know again they're a punk band they do with like a reggae sound and a lot of that's very prevalent on the first on their first two records this one uh, took a little bit more heavy metal and funk approach. And wow, you know, just, that's the sort of thing where you just, you hear this and go, wow, you know, it's like, why aren't these guys bigger? Right. Is kind of the thing. It, it always happens, though. There's you know, bands that have become cult following, but not because of any big track. It's just because word of mouth. Yeah, and that's the thing. These guys have have been around and have just kind of been in the background of a lot of stuff and it's kind of a shame that you know it's like you have to it almost seems like you have to know another band to then uh, find oh yeah we think the bad brains are amazing we did a cover of reignition yeah you know, we did that, there's Die. that and there's also the fact that music was so important in the 80s and 90s for movies and you would find a lot of these bands on the soundtrack. You're like, I've never even heard of this. What? Who are these guys? Yeah, which I think... I want to say there's something off this one that's in like a Scorsese film. I wouldn't be surprised. Scorsese is really... No one ever talks about it, but he really is cool with his music. Yeah, I think so. Or else it might have been like... Uh, maybe they, they put from the first album, Pay to Come. I might have been on, on something in this era. But basically, yeah. It's like Bad Brains occasionally pop up on something I... Actually, hell, they're, I know they did a track with Henry Rollins on some movie soundtrack that I have. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. Damn. That was that went nowhere. What's your next song? I don't know. <laughs> the same thing with mine. My next one is Filler, basically. I mean, I like the album, but I have nothing to say about it, really. The The is another one of those bands that, you know, like, oh, they pop up in the soundtrack and people talk about them. It's such an unusual name, too, that you have to remember it. But uh, Infected is a, it's a decent hour of listening uh nothing too great i i think uh some of the political stuff is really smart i think their guitar work is great it's just there's no obvious singles but i was fine with it well that's the thing is i this is another band that i was going i need to listen to this i've heard infected i like this song and now i finally got i was really digging it like uh sweet but a truth has some uh vibe uh vibes of this other band called pig which uh Pig is the band of a guy named Raymond Watts, who will be a mem- who's a member of one of the bands that I'll be talking about in a moment. And I swear to God, he's sticking on that album. I don't give a shit what Wikipedia says. I don't care if Raymond Watts was in Germany at the time, and this was in, I guess, the U.S., and that they probably had no reason to ever have met. That's fucking Raymond Watts on that song. No, oh, okay. 
it's not, but you know, <laughs> it's. But I swear, it's he the the vocal exactly how those vocals are are done is very much in his vocal styling. But yeah, it's the the is. I'm glad I got the chance to listen to it. It's definitely a, an interesting album. You know, not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Also, it weirdly enough, it kind of felt like it was an industrial album, even though it's not. A little more, I should say, a little more modern industrial, not old, older industrial. Yeah. <laughs> my turn. That's it for me. I hate the fact I'm getting uh, my turn. I'm so old. Whose turn is it? I forgot where we were. <laughs> my turn. Okay, go. And my next one <laughs> will be KMFDM's What Do You Know, Deutschland. Holy fuck, I don't get the appeal of this band. I know you love them, but I, it is lost on me. I'm, I guess I'm, I don't like industrial music, and that's probably going to be a problem for the well, next de- de- decade. <laughs> well, part of it is, you. I know you heard more, well, uh, KMFDM a decade plus out. You've heard, because I know you heard the uh, one of the songs off Symbols, and you seemed to have kind of enjoyed that one. I feel like a lot of soundtracks during the late 90s had KMFDM on them. Oh yeah, we'll we will get the album that broke them big and made them decide that they're never going to break big. <laughs> okay, but it's this again. It's not their debut album. It is the second album, but for the longest time, this is the only one people knew as their first album. And it's a odd mix of stuff because you have. A couple of songs, you know, like actual things that you can go, oh yeah, here are lyrics and this, a lot of stuff about sex, I noticed. I, I never had really thought about it lyrically, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of these early songs are all about uh, having sex. And, uh, but then there's also a little bit of political commentary, because you had, uh, what do you, uh, was it, uh, what do you know? Which is very much a political, you know, political commentary using all these little samples and stuff. And it basically, it's just it's this weird. Uh, it's not dancey, but it does. It is EBM, which is electronic body music. It is kind of there to if you could, if you were in a club that played this stuff. You'd be a little more, you know, move a little bit here and there. Are you, uh, have There's you ever something. been to a club? I've never been to it. Oh, well, that's not true. I went once because we got free tickets after we went to a comedy show to the little dance place next door. And they were all country line dancing. Does that count as a club? <laughs> oh, no, I've been to, I've been to a couple of goth clubs uh, a few times. You know, watch the people uh, hobbit punch. Uh, what the fuck is a hobbit punch? Uh, punching down towards the ground. Like, are they punching people? Uh, or they're just like aiming. Towards... No, no, they're pu- punching oh. the air. It's just oh, okay. I was like, like well, short people already have it tough enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you watch, watch the watch the vampires uh, glide by. It's they can be fun. They can also be pretentious, full of pretentious assholes, and that's why I don't do golf clubs much. <laughs> after that, all right. <laughs> What's, what's next? Skylarking by XTC. No, it's not their greatest album. No, it doesn't have the big hits, but it's just a really good listen. And um, 
Uh, I think the only track off this that is like a high recommend, like really poppy single, is Earn Enough For Us, which is weird because the <laughs> the story behind it is fucking horrifying. <laughs> Starving to death in England. <laughs> You're just, oh, this is making enough money to make an eat for the day. Um, but it's also kind of infamous because one of their most notorious songs is Dear God. Now, it only was originally yeah. part of this album, like in the initial pressing in the UK. They took it off and it wouldn't show up for a little bit later. I think like two albums later. Um, I just love XTC. It's just a, a good comfort listen. What's funny is I keep forgetting they exist. Really? Uh, partially, partially, this is because the only song I actually know was Making Plans for Nigel. And I only know that because it was covered by the industrial band Pitch Shifter. Okay. Do you know uh, who produced this album? So, who? Who produced this one? Todd Rundgren. Oh. <laughs> That's why it's a little more challenging than the previous album in its sound. It's a little more complicated. But the, the problem is Todd Rundgren was never a guy who really wrote pop songs. And that's what holds this album back is because there's not a lot of poppy tracks. Which is ironic since we love that... What was it, what was it the band that he was in that we listened to? There's an album from like... Oh, Utopia. Um, yeah. That album was fairly pop-friendly. And uh, but he's always known for being like kind of progressive rock, complicated. Um, but I do think he helps mature the band a little bit. Well, part of my problem with XTC is every song I think of that's by them is actually an in excess song. <laughs> okay, to me they don't sound anything alike. But okay, <laughs> no, 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 because because I've I'm, with the exception of making plans for Nigel, I don't, I genuinely don't think I've ever heard an XTC song until until I heard this album. Oh my god, I can't so wait for like, you to hear the next two because this is when, the next two are when they just hit the ground running. so damn good. But it's like, for the most part, it's like, you know, I'm going like, it's a pretty chill album and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with this. It's not inspiring me or anything, but then you get like, that's really super, super girl and all of a sudden it's like this weird change of pace but the thing that really stood out like it captured my imagination was another satellite. It is, it's yeah, they're just a really uh, interesting band uh, with an evolution in their uh, depth. I think because uh, you know they, they kicked it out with um, I think the first single they ever had was "Senses Working Overtime," which is you know probably their most well-known song now. Um, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? One, two, three, no. four, five. Senses working overtime. Know that? No. Nothing? Not off the top of the okay. head, no. <laughs> but um, it took them a while to get another big single, and that's gonna be the next album is when they finally become like mainstream for a brief moment. Um, but that's it. All I want to say about Skylarking, it's just a very good comfort album. Yeah, it's. I can see that. I can see that. Next, proceed, sir. My next one, moving in the industrial uh, land, is Revolting Cox, Big Sexy Land. <laughs> Yeah, I love just fucking love that name. <laughs> yes. Uh, now this is 100% an industrial dance album. I mean, if when I was mentioning EBM earlier, this is specifically more so what what you would think of because you if, even if you didn't like this, you can at least admit that if there was if you were in a club setting, you would see people dancing to a lot of these songs yeah i feel like i like this one i think i finished this one industrial like i said is harder for me than anything else yeah and this is one of revco is one of the many bands that uh al jurgensen of ministry is involved in this is one of his side projects along with uh 
a guy named Richard 23 of uh, the band Front 242, which I really am going to try and get on the show at some point. <laughs> which I keep, confusing. Seems... I keep confusing with that album by Anthrax. Stop, what is it, 424 or something like 242? Stop, yeah, stop 424, yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's like, I might not be able to get to get to them till the 2000s <laughs> but yeah it's basically this this project that it came together really quickly they had met on tour they had a good time hey let's go put together a band and then they released this album you know got some singles out and then they break they fall apart because they disagreed over one remix of one of the songs jeez Okay, now, that's a weird thing to fight over. Yeah. Now one thing, one thing to check out because uh, they had a, they have a couple. Of, they've been kind of on and off as as a band for for a while, but they have a cover of uh, "Do You Think I'm Sexy." No. And oh, I love that cover so much, and it has a video. Okay, I gotta see that. And oh, it's and I'll say this. It's like a tool video. It's nightmare fuel. Oh, I will warn you this. Okay. But it is. But it is. I love the cover so much. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's. I actually saw them when they reformed back in 2006 on tour, and went during the performance of that particular song, uh, Luke Van Acker, the guy who's the vocalist, had dressed himself up in a giant penis costume, <laughs> and was jumping around on stage and. It was very entertaining. Nice. So, yeah, Revolting Cox, not... You You might... One of their later albums actually might also have a song maybe you've heard? I don't know. Maybe. So, it, <laughs> it, it's, weirdly enough, yeah, it it kind of seems like people at least know uh, Beer, Steers, and Queers uh, by them. It, but I go like, that's about it for anything that anyone would have known in main culture. <laughs> but I, that I, is it. Yeah, I have nothing to say about it, the next album. I don't even remember the album, but I needed 10. I seem to have liked it. Rick Ocasek, The Side of Paradise. Uh, I, I don't remember anything about it. I know I had a song. I was like, hey, I know this song. It's just pleasant to listen to. I got nothing else. Moving on. <laughs> what's, funny, what's funny is I never... It's like... I've never heard of this guy. I don't know who this guy is. I'm gonna. I did this album first of that of this grouping, and then I'm going. This sounds really interesting. I, it sounds really, you know, like there's a lot of balance and stuff. I'm like, let me. Who is this guy? Oh, he's the guy from Cars. No wonder I like this album. Yeah, it's it's funny. Is I looked it up and it's like most of the people from the band had broken up at this point, or not broken up, but he had left. Um, and left the other guy in the lead who would die like a couple years later. Um, it's just like one of these super group hodgepodge albums. Like, who's available? Who are some session artists? Or who broke up from this band? Let's put them together. And I guess G.E. Smith from uh, Saturday Live, he was there, like their band leader, was a big help in this album. So it's weird. It's, it's just like an amalgam album. But it kind of works. Well, that's the thing is, I, in a weird way, I think this is probably the most perfect album that we that we've listened to because everything about this all the instruments work in perfect harmony with another there's nothing that is over you know that overpowers anything else that's so the weird considering he didn't have the same people for every track that's so weird 
it's like the keys are, are present when they're necessary. The guitars, the guitars are you know heavy at times, but not overly so. Like, yeah, there's it's a, a perfect balance. It just yeah. feels like well, I think that's I, why I didn't look. At, that's why he became like a well-known friend. producer in the '90s. He basically stopped doing his own stuff and became like you know Weezer and, and the Pink Spiders and other guys. He was a big producer for those guys. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm thinking. It was going like if he didn't produce this album himself, he you know whoever did is you know is amazing because I you know didn't look at the credits, so I don't know who to credit on this one. But this, like I said, I think is uh, even even like albums that I absolutely love, you know, die hard love like Heaven and Hell. I don't think have a perfect balance. Of uh, music uh, that this one does. Oh, so it did say he co-produced this with Chris Hughes, who was the drummer for Adam and the Ants, and also was a big producer okay. for Tears for Fears. Um, I guess that's about it. Oh, and did a bunch of Peter Gabriel stuff. So yeah, so there's some talent behind him. Okay, yeah. So okay, yeah. And now that I think that makes a lot of sense, where it's a lot of people who watched others uh, produce their stuff, and again, some solid. You know, solid material. Now knowing exactly what they want out of this album. All right, your turn. No, well, here, let me ask you this: what, what almost made your list? What almost made your list? Oh, dude, I left it on the. Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna get it. I left it. You, you okay, you well, here, about, watch. Well, I'll mine. do mine. Okay, I'll do mine. All right. Uh, all right, I. You know, there was a there's a, a trifecta of albums that I adore from this from this year that I chose not to do because you had Slayer's Raining Rain and Blood, Megadeth's Peace Cells, and Metallica's Master of Puppets, but they're also like the most well known, well respected albums. Maybe maybe uh, Peace Cells isn't as respected, but still three of the greatest ones. Skinny Puppies, Mind of Perpetual Mind the Perpetual Intercourse. Clan of Zymox's Medusa, The Missions, God's Own Medicine, Iggy Pop's Blah Blah Blah, Fishbones in Your Face, oh, yeah, Alien Sex too, Fiends, yeah. yeah, Alien Sex Fiends, It the Album, and then there's also one that made your list. So we'll you know we'll find out what that is when we get back to you. Okay, uh, I lost part of my list, which I mailed you about or emailed or messaged you about because I don't know what the hell the rest of the stuff was in there but I have half of mine uh, you're going to laugh a little bit because it's kind of stupid um, Eat Him and Smile by David Lee Roth I realize this is not the okay. album that I really like of his there's going to be one that does make the list but it's not going to be for a few more years Raising Hell by Run DMC is a hell of a lot of fun uh, the Vinnie yeah. Vincent Invasion yeah. um, if you just like douchebag rock which is sometimes I like douchebag rock uh <laughs> Huey Lewis 4 is an album that I owned and listened to a million times. I think it's their strongest album. Uh, Jacob Slider. 100%. Is their, yeah, yeah, Jacob Slider is their best track, and no one, that barely hit, uh, hit the top 40. Um, Alice Cooper, Constrictor. What else do I have here? True Colors by Cindy Lauper. Uh, and Fastways okay. soundtrack for the movie Trick or Treat. <laughs> that last one. I know. Uh, Shut up. Yeah. No, I I had uh, on for Halloween. I did have that uh, that track uh, for on my uh, Halloween playlist. But yeah, some there's some stuff there. I I would say there's like Run DMC. Yeah, I did think about, but it is also huge. You know, it. Fit the fit. It doesn't fit it, but it's also it's Run DMC, and unfortunately, 
I do think people need to be schooled about Run DMC. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but it's like the same reason why I I was hesitant about those those three metal albums. It's like, yes, everyone should hear Peace Cells, you know, Rain and Blood, and Master of Puppets. But they're also if someone's gonna throw a metal, you know, hand you a metal album, it's probably gonna be one of those three. Right, totally. Yeah, and yeah. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, it's gonna be Master of Puppets. First. Yeah, that's why I I, I didn't include like uh, Ride the Lightning, which is my favorite Metallica album, I think, um, and just kind of like skip that because everybody knows that album. I think the reason I added Genesis is because I think people are forgetting who Genesis is, and I think they also forget how great Janet Jackson was. So that's the reason why I popped yeah. in there. Well, that's. I mean, there's I. I, there, there's a bunch of pop, you know, pop singers that I haven't mentioned on here, but it's like, yeah, you know, like you mentioned Cindy Lauper. It's like, yeah, yeah, I would totally agree that people should probably remember who the hell Cindy Lauper is. Yeah, people should remember. Uh, people, people should remember Tiffany. <laughs> Don't think so on that one. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm kidding on that okay, one, okay. but. You know, like Paula Abdul, you know? Oh, uh, you it's, know what? Yes, I quite enjoy the first two albums by Paula Abdul. You know, yeah, it's like there's some stuff on there I go, I, there's, we probably shouldn't forget that, that they actually put out some strong stuff. Right. All right, that what's your final said, choice? My final one is Iron Maiden's Somewhere in Time. Best? I threatened this on all of you. Yes. And uh, you've got to listen to it now. Uh, well, I was I was fine with it. it. Just feels like every my problem is I like some Iron Maiden tracks, but I never like their albums because they all feel the same. It's kind of like ACDC. I love ACDC, but some of the albums kind of just seem the same. Um, but it has my favorite track is Wasted Years. All time favorite yeah. track by Iron Maiden is Wasted Years. Uh, so already you're good. Oh yeah. It, well, that's the thing is this album. It it's it's a better album than people really do kind of give it credit for. Like, it's not that it didn't sell well or no one liked it or that they didn't do a big, massive tour on it or anything. But, yeah, it's basically Heaven Can Wait and Wasted Years are the only songs people, you know, seem to remember. It Hell, it's the only songs that are, like, still played. Right. And again, not, not for nothing, Wasted Years is one of their best songs. Have you ever heard the Damone cover? I have not. Okay, I'm going to send that to you. It's so good. That's how I know the track in the first place. I had never listened to Iron Maiden, really, uh, except for, like, the two or three major tracks. I heard it from Damone, and then I just casually was watching music videos of 1986, and I was like, holy shit, Iron Maiden, this is their song? Cool! Yeah, and, well, that's the thing. It's like, this is the first album that they use synths, although these are guitar synthesizers, and and then later on, people actually use regular synth machines. Uh, But it's like, you have uh, Somewhere in Time, the opening track, is based off the movie Time After Time. You have, you know, Stranger in a Strange Land. Guess what that's based off of? Mm, I have no idea. Uh, Life you with know. Mikey, starring Michael J. Fox? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, good. But, I knew but, it. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> but yeah, this album is, is filled with some bangers. Yeah, these Stranger in a Strange Land, Sea of Madness, Deja Vu. All these songs rip. And, you know, it just, people don't, you know, just kind of seem to like, oh yeah, it's Power Slave and uh, and Number of the Beast, and then yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think also random... uh, power metal is kind of looked down on because it tells these big, rich stories that are fantasy based, uh, and this is the time when thrash is starting to kick its ass and power metal's starting to fade away. I will take that over thrash, honestly. Yeah, and to be fair, this is really probably their last 
good album. They have a couple of hit, you know, a couple of good, decent songs here and there. Uh, <laughs> not, basically... not the one I heard yesterday. <laughs> Bring your daughter to oh. the slaughter is the fucking dumbest song. Oh, oh yeah. That... Although that was kind of a hit, but like, I know no, it doesn't of... mean anything. Well, LFO had a big oh. hit with Summer Girls. That song is dumb as shit. <laughs> but yeah, but it's like it's not until like about two thousand where they kind of get a little bit, you know, get back up for a little while and then. Uh, and I like like the last couple of albums. Yeah, well last enough. couple I think, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but it's like for the most part they've kind of been posting on the fact that we all love all of the original hits. We can see that about a lot of bands like Black Sabbath. Well, yeah, but except they're not even around anymore. Yeah. Really. All right, my turn. Ozzy is though. Oh yes, it's your turn. Uh, have you heard the latest Ozzy track that he produced with Elton John? I, I don't want to die a normal man. It's so good. I think I have. I know, I know it's been around on my Spotify. So Alright, so my final album is Tesla, their debut Mechanical res- oh, fuck. Resonance? Am I saying that right? Resonance. Resonance, okay. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm kind of dumb. Um, nah, I'm not kind of dumb. I'm really dumb. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tesla got lumped in with the hair metal bands. And I don't believe they belong there. Just because they had long hair and they were popular at the time doesn't mean they're the same. I really think that they had more of a blues sound. They they had a, a just it, it was different. They weren't talking about partying and, and, and babes. It was just well, a little bit richer. I would I would say this: they're more in line again. Although again, these people would talk about babes and stuff like that, but they're more in line with like ZZ Top than they would be any of the hair metal. Right? They did really. in the eighties, but they kind of have a seventies feel, like Thin Lizzy and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, easy come, easy goes, great. Um, Little Susie's the their first cover. Of course, Signs would be their biggest hit, and it's also a cover. But I think Modern Day Cowboy is the fucking coolest song they ever did, and maybe one of the coolest songs out of the eighties. That song fucking rips. Like I love you know coming at you live before my eyes. Yeah, and love it changes me. is Those... great. Yeah, I have their greatest hits collection. It open it, it opens with Modern Day Cowboy, ends with Changes. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's. They're a band that is definitely underrated. Yeah. I, I don't think that they've ever really... They're, I almost want to say it like this. They're like Queensryche in a lot of ways, except I think Queensryche had a few better albums in in general. Yeah, I can't but wait to... I want to bands, listen to them. I've never listened to Queensryche, but I'm, I'm eager to find out what they're like. It's But it's kind of like... It's in a sense like they are similar in a sense where... They are there. They are. Uh, I'm trying, trying to remember the line from Henry Rollins, where it's like the the, the the janitor. You know, they're there. You know, not necessarily there when before everyone started, but they're there after everybody leaves. They're gonna, you know, put up everything. You know, put up uh, put up the chairs, clean the dishes, and uh, just kind of they're the sturdy, just kind of like always around. Right. They seem like I a think- bar band that somehow got to go beyond that. They weren't filling arenas yeah. unless they and, were like the headline or the uh, openers, um, but they were just very sturdy, reliable band. Yeah, and it's this is an album that's definitely worth listening to. You, you know, it's I can't guarantee anyone, you know, whoever listens is going to love them. I, you know, it's not one of those things where I can go, oh my god, you definitely have to listen. You know, if you do not listen to Tesla, your life is meaningless. But I go listen to Tesla, damn it. 
Yeah. They need to be hurt. Right. They're not shitty like fucking Poison or... God, there's so many of those shitty hair bands. Like, Motley Crue, I don't count because they started before and they survived afterwards. But I'm talking about solely those bands. Their peak era was, you know, 86 to 92, and then they were done. Like, Warrant. You know, actually, Warrant's yeah, not that bad. It's like, well, you're listening to the, 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 a lot of the bands that showed up on uh, Decline of Western Civilization Part 2. <laughs> I didn't know that they were a joke. <laughs> oh, my God, Kiss. Kiss, uh, let me tell you this. <laughs> Besides the elder, everything in the 80s the Kiss did was fucking garbage. Come on. One of the worst bands relying on their old hits to survive. Oh no, tears are falling. Where I think that's the only lyric for five fucking minutes. No. Oh man. Well, but that's that's the thing is like Kiss was a band that basically they they figured out what they did. They wrote. They managed to write early, you know, early on enough in their career. Managed to write all the songs that they needed to write, and. Still just did shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Tesla is still valid for quite some... I haven't listened to their their albums in like the last 20 years, but Bust a Nut, I think, was the last major release, and that was still pretty good. That was 94, I think. Um, but yeah, that's it for my top 10. That's it for your top 10. Are we ready to uh, turn the radio off? We are. The needle is ready to drop. All right, everybody. Check us out on Facebook under Hit Rewind Podcast. It's where you'll find all our episodes. And uh, John, thank you very much for this. Thank you for having me.